Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Spirit of Grace Church. We're glad that you could join us this evening and that you can be a part of the Word of the Lord tonight. We're glad that we have the opportunity to share uh, this message with you, this time together. We know that you could be in just about any other place. And uh, we're glad that you chose to join us both here at Zoom and then also online at Facebook. We're thankful. And for those of you that will join us on YouTube and the podcast later, we welcome you as well. We're glad that you're able to be with us. We're asking that God just would speak to us tonight in a special way. And we're glad that you've joined us. So let's just open with a word of prayer tonight and ask God to speak to our hearts in this few minutes that we have together this evening. Jesus, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy to us. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together. Pray, Lord, that you would use the word of the Lord tonight to uh, challenge us, to strengthen us, to encourage us. And we'll be careful to give you praise and glory. I'm asking you to go into every home that's watching this right now and allow your sweet presence to be felt. We'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you tonight, we want to encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. We want to read one scripture there. Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, we'll get back to that in just a second. Um, I just have this feeling that, well, not, not so much a feeling. It's an understanding that I've had for, uh, I believe, most of my ministry at least. And that is you and I have the opportunity and the challenge to grow spiritually on a daily basis. That we have a responsibility to the kingdom of God. If he has invited us in and we have accepted the call to be a follower of him, we should be continuously growing. Now, I also understand that uh, not everybody is at the same level. Uh, I wouldn't expect somebody that just, you know, recently began their journey with God to be at the same level, if all things were considered, if that's the right word even, as where I am, where I've been around God and had a relationship with him going on, you know, 45 years. And uh, I believe that uh, every day and every year, we should grow in him and become uh, more in tune with him. And our journey should be deeper with him each and every day. And that's an opportunity that we have. I know that there's some people that don't grab a hold of that and uh, they end up living for God for a long time, but they never have a new and in depth of a relationship with him. And that's unfortunate because God has offered to offered us to have a relationship with the great creator of the universe. So let's look at Hebrews chapter six, verse one. It says, so let us stop. I'm reading from the new living translation, by the way. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of uh, repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. What the writer of Hebrews is encouraging us is to grow, to have spiritual growth. Um, Not to become old, but to be mature. Um, because the Bible, at the same time as we're maturing, the Bible does tell us that unless we become like unto the little children, 
uh, that's what the kingdom of heaven is about, and that has to do more with uh, dependence upon God than it has to do with an age thing. But I believe that as we grow in God, we don't handle things the same way that we do when we first fall in love with him. Uh, just like uh, we as humans don't hopefully act and do the same things today, number one, physically, I probably couldn't do what I did when I was 17 or 18, um, but even mentally and spiritually, I wouldn't, um, I would look back on some of the things that I decided to do and the things that I decided to be a part of, and sometimes I wonder how I made it this far. But uh, I do believe that as I have grown through the years, and uh, having just turned 50 years old, I've seen things, I've adjusted the way I uh, perceive things, the way that I look at uh, life is different today than I did uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I, I remember in high school um, when we did all of the nuclear bomb raids uh, hiding under our uh, desk in elementary school and preparing for because the Cold War was at the height. And uh, I never dreamed that we'd see 2000 and I would turn 30. That just seemed way off in the distance. I thought for sure Jesus was going to come before then. And then when he didn't, then I thought for sure I'm not going to see 50. Well, I've seen 50 now, and so my perception is a little bit different. And, and uh, I believe my maturity level, I see things the way uh, God is wanting to me, me to see them more often and more importantly, uh, the way the Word of God directs me to look at things than I did even a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. We're on a constantly growing uh, projection or of relationship with him. God desires us to grow. He desires us to become more mature. In every area of life, if you're a follower of Christ, in every area of life, we need to be growing. Whether it be, and we should be able to see signs of spiritual growth, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be in our families, our churches, our ministries, our jobs, whatever it is, we shouldn't be treating it the same way uh, today that we did previously. And uh, I look at, you know, probably one of the areas that I probably still struggle with the most is my occupation, my job, because there's things that I just get frustrated and I don't handle them like I should. And I need to, to figure out and not necessarily figure out, I've figured it out, I just need to do it, uh, of how I respond to certain situations and circumstances that uh, get under my skin a whole lot quicker because it's my job than it does if it's uh, working with volunteers or whatever else we're doing but uh, I just believe that in every area of life as we grow in our relationship with him we'll see signs of spiritual growth and so Mike I want to give you five things tonight of how we can experience growth in our lives and uh, I believe that if we can capture these five I don't want to say really steps, but these five principles, you'll use that word, use the word principles. If we can capture these five principles of growth, um, you know, as we, as we grow in him, we become uh, more perfect and more, uh, the word perfection is uh, not without blame. It's just more mature. As we become more perfect in him, um, things will begin to change. So I want to give you these five principles tonight. The first principle that I want to give you is what has been labeled the big, better, and best principle. The big, the better, and the best principle. And that is all predicated upon the principle of being faithful in the little things. Um, when we have 
the small. When we're a part of something small, we want the big. But then when we get the big, we want the better. And when we get the better, we obviously want the best. But the problem with us usually is when we get to that better or best level, we forget or we usually, uh, for, well, we forget, but we usually take for granted that we got there because of what we did when the thing was small, when we were doing the small thing. and uh, Or we try to get to the bigger, better, or best uh, level of things or thought process of things, and we try to bypass the small thing. We can't allow, if you're really wanting to grow, you can't bypass doing the small things. Um, and and uh, let me read to you in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. It's Jesus speaking, and he says this, The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. God gets excited when you and I faithfully handle little things. I, I want to say that again. God gets excited when you and I handle little things and are faithful in the small things. When he gives us them, the, the small things. And, uh, you know, again, my reference point when I teach is usually uh, my background. It's, it's, it's where I've been, which is kind of a ministry background. And uh, I, I've, I've been around a lot of people that want to preach big conferences and conventions and and, and be something big, um, but they don't want to uh, just step into the small thing. One of the things that I look for, even at Spirit of Grace, when we have a guest speaker come in, I want to see them worshiping in our worship time. I don't want them to just sit back and and, and think that they're above the worship. I want to get. I want to see them. That has been my deal. The small thing is me getting involved with the body when nobody else is watching. When it's just me and the Lord and just the people of God and the Lord, I want to be worshiping with you. In fact, there's oftentimes in our worship, by the time I get up to preach, I almost don't have a voice because I've been worshiping so much. And that's that was ingrained in me through my father and, and through the examples of men and women that have gone before me in ministry. But that's... that is a quote-unquote a small thing. It's a huge thing, really. But God gets excited when we do that which is small or that which is not seen, uh, whether it be cleaning a restroom, picking up trash, mowing the lawn, whatever it is, when we do something for God in the small quote-unquote things, the things that we don't, that we would think are insignificant, the Bible says that he, he rejoices, he wants to celebrate, because if you're faithful in that small thing, he'll give you the bigger thing. And so if you're looking for the best thing or the bigger thing, the better thing, my encouragement to you tonight is be faithful in the small thing. Be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in church attendance. Be faithful in financial giving and stewardship with God. Because here's the thing that you have to understand is that um, if, you're not small, if you're not faithful in the small things, God's not ready to give you the things that are bigger or better. If he can't trust us with the small, he's not going to give us the bigger. It's kind of like when we're, when we're raising an infant and we're starting to teach them how to eat food. We don't give them a sirloin before they can manage the small bites and the mushy green beans. 
and uh, we don't we we have to train them how to chew it up and we have to train them how to cut it it's a it's a process i would much rather have a sirloin than i would strained cabbage okay uh, or strained beets or some of the other things that i've seen in baby food aisles that i would not want to eat and i'm glad for the bigger and the better sirloin but had i not figured out how to eat that other stuff first and grow into it uh, i wouldn't have had that opportunity the same thing is in our spiritual lives. Sometimes we just need to have the beets, if you will, or the, the vegetables to get us to the steak. We have to do be faithful in the small things, whether we feel like it or not. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. There are times when even us as preachers and pastors really aren't in the mood to get up on a Sunday and go to church. I know that that sounds even sacrilegious, but um, because we should all, as pastors and preachers especially, be excited to get to the house of the Lord. But uh, that's not always the case. Sometimes we didn't sleep very well the night before. Sometimes we had a long day on Saturday, and we just would like to take a couple extra hours of sleep. And uh, But that's not the way it is. But to be faithful in the small things. Do the thing that we uh, are, are meant to do, and God will begin to add things to us and give us more opportunities to be a part of something bigger, better, and best. Don't try to circumvent the process of being faithful in small things. Step into the small thing, and God will open up the bigger thing. That's principle number one. Principle number two is uh, the love me principle, or love me right, or love me tender, if you will, principle. And that is simply loving your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, uh, verse 36, says it this way. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The key to this love principle uh, is John thirteen thirty five. by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another uh, it doesn't matter how well you preach teach sing do whatever it doesn't matter how well you clean the vestibule or clean the sanctuary if you don't have love for others uh, you're you're not going to reveal that you're one of his by this shall all men know that you are my disciple if you have love one for another your love should grow as you grow uh and there's people that we should love all the time and uh you know we should love god first and foremost we should love god with all of our heart soul mind and strength that 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 should be without question however oftentimes we say that we love god but we don't express it the right way we say that we love God, but then we ignore him when he tries to, to speak to us. We say that we love him, but we don't do what his word has asked us to do. We say that we love him, but we don't concentrate and meditate in his presence and, and get lost in his presence. We don't spend time with him. So the, the first challenge is to love God. The second one, love your spouse, love your family, your children, spend time with them, love your neighbor. And then probably the hardest one that we see in Scripture that de declares love is love your enemies. Love your enemies. That is probably the hardest one, but yet you have to understand that God 
is our example of that. The Bible says in the book of Galatians that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That means the ones that were against him, the ones that were at enmity with him, the ones that were enemies of the Lord. He loved them while they were still living that way. And uh, it's our challenge that God has given us to love those that are our enemies, that are that are at enmity with us, that disagree with us, that don't like us, that we would rather not love because we don't think they deserve our love. Those are the exact people that Jesus said, maybe you should love them. Uh, and when you do that, that is a sign of spiritual growth. It's a sign of spiritual growth when you can embrace the unbraceable, when you can be a part of somebody's life that that would normally even turn your stomach, that would cause fear to happen in you, when you're able to then take them and begin to love them and care for them through prayer, through sacrifice, through understanding of the things of God, it's very important that we love one another. It's easy to love when you receive love, um, but it's, it's a lot more difficult to love when you're not receiving the love that uh, it's not being reciprocated to you. And my challenge to you tonight is ask God to help you love like he loved. I want you to think about some of the things that he did throughout his life here on earth that reveals a, a love um, and a mercy, really. Uh, think about when he hung on the cross and he had been crucified there, and he carried all of our sins, and the Bible said he became a curse for us. It was at that moment that he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And forgiveness is an offshoot of love. And uh, when he forgave us, he was saying, it's okay. I understand that you failed and that you've been against me, but I love you anyhow, and I'll pay the price for you anyhow. I want you to think about when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and Judas Iscariot came out to betray him, his, his friend. And I don't know about you, but I've been betrayed by friends before and it's hurt. And uh, it's not really the way that I would want to act like Jesus acted. But when Judas showed up, Jesus didn't say, you know, what are you doing here? You know, good living thing. He said, what are you doing, my friend? Uh, my friend. He called him a friend. Even though he was betraying him, even though he was setting in place a weekend of turmoil and tribulation and death, he looked at Judas and said, my friend. And then not only that, but in that same moment, Simon Peter responded like most of us would have responded and took out his sword and cut off Malchus' ear. And Jesus didn't. He, Jesus rebuked his friend, Simon Peter, and reached down and took the ear of Malchus and healed him in that moment. That's called love, loving your enemies, stepping forward and being bigger than the situation, understanding the principle in Scripture that says, uh, if anybody hates you, it's not really you that they hate, it's the Lord that they hate. And uh, we're the, we're the in-between person. So I want to challenge you. Pray, God, help me to learn how to love my enemy. So it's the big, better, best principle. Faithful and small things will open up the door in growth to bigger things. And loving uh, the way that you want to be loved, loving others, including your enemies, will open up another door of growth in your life. And now we come to principle number three, 
Principle number three is probably the hardest principle to grasp a hold of, especially in America, and that is simply this. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. That old song. Don't worry, be happy. In other words, have contentment without complaint. Have contentment without complaint. That's very hard to do because uh, in, in the way that we think, uh, we want to have... Um, you know, we want to have it all, but at the same time, we want to uh, think about when you start your job. You start a job at one point, and you don't want to, uh, an entry-level job is not the job that you want to keep forever. Uh, you're always wanting to move up. You're always wanting for that next promotion, or at least most of us are. We're wanting to find significance in life. We're wanting to accomplish things that uh, are, are meaningful, and we're wanting to do that. But uh, at the same time, uh, Paul says just to be content with where you're at. The, and here's what I have found in life. When I have gotten to the place where I'm content with where I'm at, and I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm content and not complaining about it, Usually, that's when a door opens up and an opportunity and a promotion or a blessing from God comes. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.11. He said, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And uh, I want to get to the place. That's spiritual growth right there. That's Paul revealing the growth that he had in, in him, uh, in his relationship with the Lord, because he's able to, whatever he's at. If he has a lot, so be it. If he doesn't have much, so be it. Because if he doesn't have a lot, it's all in Christ. If he does have a lot, it's all in Christ. Then he wrote to, first, or then he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, he starts it this way in verse number six. He said, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Here's, here's how to know whether you're content, is when promotion or opportunity rises, um, what is the, the giveaway or the takeaway of that promotion or that opportunity? And what I mean by that is not every promotion in your job is from God, and it's not always a blessing. Uh, sometimes, uh, for instance, if you take, if you're making a certain amount and they're going to give you a, a good increase uh, of wage, and you're going to claim that as a blessing from the Lord, but it's going to take you out of church three Sundays of the month, uh, I would question whether or not that was a blessing of the Lord. Because the blessing of the Lord would provide uh, the means necessary for you to stay in his house. To stay because the Bible says through the book of Hebrews not to forsake your assembling 
uh, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see that he wants us to be together as a body. He wants us, uh, we're exactly that, we're a body. So if part of the body is gone, that cannot really be uh, the blessing of the Lord. The Lord will provide your need at the lesser wage if you're connected to him and to the body of Christ. So that's just an example, but sometimes we get so consumed with uh, having the better car, the nicer things, the nicer home, the nicer opportunities, the better job. Sometimes we just get tired of the job that we're doing and we'll jump at anything. Uh, it's one of the reasons why when I look at either a job opportunity or a promotion, I always ask the Lord, Lord, if it's of you, open the door, and if it's not, slam the door shut. Uh, even if I have to so to, to face so-called rejection because I will look at it as a blessing of the Lord from keeping me to stepping into that opportunity because I want to please him in all things. And so that this don't worry, be happy is, is very difficult. And I, I think the happiness is probably a little easier than the worry uh, or the lack of worry, not worrying, because uh, we have so much that goes on in our lives. We worry about so many different things. Uh, are we going? What are we going to be doing next week? What is? I mean, even as a pastor with the church, we're looking at what's the church going to look like a month from now. What are we? What do we need to do to make us more effective next week? What do we need to do down the road? How are we going to form and fashion what God is trying to get us to do, along with uh, fitting it into what we are, as far as a society is concerned, and where are we going? And and so all of this stuff is things that we can worry about. Worry about, you know, the paint that's fading on our house and, and, and the deck that's falling apart. And, and I got to get this done and I got to get that done and I got to fix this and I need this to be better and I need this to be greater. And we end up worrying about that. And when we worry about it, we take away and we remove the joy of the present. And the Bible says that God is a very present help in the time of need. And we preached a, a couple Sundays ago about the I am of God. He's a very present God. Uh, and sometimes when we start to worry, we're worrying about something that hasn't happened yet, uh, or worrying that's about something that hasn't, or that has happened that could cause something else to happen in the future. And, and what are we doing? We're taking ourselves out of the present. And so to show spiritual growth, we need to learn to not worry, but to be happy, to be content, to know that, um, no matter what state you're in, God still has you. And, uh, and to understand that he's still in control, understand that he still loves you, understand that he's on your side, that he wants to see you succeed, that he will help you to succeed, that he will help you to uh, and provide the, the means necessary to get you to where he wants you to be. That's, that's what Jesus is wanting for you, is to be where he wants you to be. So don't worry about everything else. Just be content that you're in his arms, and if you're in tune with him, he'll open up the right door of blessing, and he'll open up the right opportunity to be most effective in the kingdom of God. So that's number three. So the first one, again, is big, better, best. Being faithful in small things will open up greater opportunity. Number two is to love uh, as you would love others as you would have them love you. Number three is don't worry, be happy. Number four is what is called the garden principle. The garden principle. You're going to reap what you sow. Uh, and Galatians gives us a warning or a challenge or an encouragement. He says, Be not weary in well-doing, 
for in due season we're going to reap if we faint not. Um, we live in a world today that, and, and I don't know exactly where it started, it may have actually been here for centuries or millennia, I don't know, but the, the concept, we really want something for nothing. Uh, it has been ingrained in us. Uh, we want to have what we have not earned. We want to have uh, above and beyond what we've worked for. Um, we want something, but we don't want to give or invest anything for it. And I will just tell you this, you will not grow unless you spend time doing or sowing that which will make you grow. Okay? Uh, I'm not a gardener. Uh, I don't enjoy it at all, but I do understand this. If I plant watermelon seeds, I cannot expect an apple tree to grow. Uh, what I what I sow is what I'm going to reap. If I need if I want an apple tree in my life, I need to plant apple seeds. And all, all too often, we try to plant seeds and with the expectation that God is going to just fix it all and give us what we want. And uh, so, for instance, and, and this isn't really a message on stewardship, but we want God to bless us financially, but we haven't invested a penny in the kingdom of God. We want something for nothing. Uh, we want God to supply, so we cry out to him in prayer and say, God, we I need to have this financial blessing and I have I need to have this uh, this money coming in because I need to pay my bills and I need to do this and and but yet I don't want to invest in the kingdom of God. I don't want to partner with God. I want something for nothing. And you can't get what you don't plant. Okay, it's impossible. It's the reason why. Uh, it's the reason why if you want to have love, plant love. If you want to have peace, plant peace. Uh, you have to create in your life a place to put, put seed down and then begin to water that seed in order to cause the growth to come. Now, I can't make a plant grow and you can't make a plant grow, but we can plant, put seeds in the soil and we can put water on the soil and then God gives or, or God gives the increase. The Bible says that uh, very plain, that some water, some plant, and but God gives the increase. God is going to create what happens in our life, but we have to sow in order to reap anything. And if we're not willing to sow, if we're not willing to invest, if we're not, you see, we want God to grow us spiritually, but yet we want to do it by going to church once or twice a month. We want to grow spiritually, but we don't want to spend any time reading the word of God. We want to grow spiritually, but I'd rather not pray today. We want to grow spiritually, but I'd rather not worship. I just want to stand and listen to everybody else worship. We don't want to get involved. We don't want to invest. We don't want to, we don't want to plant is what we're really saying. And you're not going to reap anything unless you're willing to plant something. So my encouragement to you tonight is if you're wanting to grow spiritually, plant seed that would, that would reap spiritual growth. Spend just a little bit of time in prayer. If you've never prayed, I can't tell you to pray an hour because you won't know what to pray about but you can pray for just a couple of minutes you it, 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 my pastor once said five minutes in prayer doesn't make you a prayer warrior but it does set a direction 
a couple minutes worshiping doesn't make you a worshiper, but it does set a direction. Just start. Start planting some seeds right now, and in due season, you're going to see. We pray for our marriage, but we don't want to spend time with our spouse. We pray for our finances, but we don't want to invest in the kingdom. It's the reason why I've I've said if somebody has is asking me to pray for their finances, I'll ask them, "Well, are you are you tithing? Are you giving?" And if their answer is no, I'll I'll pray with them, but I'm not praying about their finances because I have the answer already. I, I shouldn't say I have the answer. The Bible has the answer. The Bible has the answer in Malachi where he says. Test me, try the spirit, and, and and test me and see that if I if I invest in him, he'll open up the windows of heaven. And so, and then he also says, prove me in that same passage. So when our finances are short, if we are invested in the kingdom, we can reap that which we've sown by calling unto him, and he'll uh, he'll help us out. But see, we try to live, or or we are living, in a world that says, I can't wait to win the lottery. Uh, the think of all the hundreds of millions of dollars that are spent in order to hopefully win with a lottery ticket, um, and, and and you can have any view you want on that. My prince, my point here is simply this: we want it quick. We want it right away. We don't want it to go through the the growth season. We don't want to take the time to plant. The farmer that 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 says, you know, let me give a dollar to try to win a million, is not going to plant any seed in the in the fields for for harvest in the fall, and the rest of us go hungry. And, and so, what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is simply this: there is a garden principle in your spiritual growth, that what you plant, what you sow, is what you're going to reap. If you plant prayer, you're going to have prayer warrior in your DNA. If you plant Bible in your in your soil, you're going to have an understanding of the Word of God. And when you have prayer and the Word of God and the other things of God, when you begin to plant worship, when you begin to plant praise, when you begin to do all of those other things and, and begin to plant the seeds in those, they will come up and they will grow because God will allow that to happen based off of his principle of sowing and reaping. So I challenge you, plant a bunch of seeds. Um, be like the person that, that just goes out and just scatters the seed all across the soil of your life and see what takes and what grows because what you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And then the last one I want to bring to your attention tonight is simply this. Uh, number five, you wanted it, you got it. When much is given, much is required. Here's what some of us don't understand is the more you grow in God and, and the more you grow in your spiritual walk with him, uh, the more responsibility you take on. And part of responsibility, let me put it to you this way, responsibility is designed by restriction. Okay, and, and here's what I mean. Uh, could I go out and do whatever I wanted to do tonight? Would it be illegal? Would it be, you know, would it be bad? Would it be negative? Could I go spend all night, you know, uh, driving around St. Paul, Minneapolis, wherever, uh, and just not sleep and go out and have a good time? Well, yeah, I could, but that wouldn't be the responsible thing to do because I know I've got to get up at four o'clock to get ready for work. Okay. 
my responsibility restricts me to when I get done here <laughs> I'm going to bed here shortly because I need to get some sleep and I know some of you are going to to uh, do the same thing you're gonna find that pillow and you're gonna go to sleep because you know that you have to get up for work in the morning responsibility is is designed around restriction and we don't oftentimes understand that but spiritual growth is about restriction uh, because restriction will then turn into responsibility because when God gives you something he gives it to you so that you can be responsible with it and if you're going to be responsible with it it means that you're going to restrict action and, and movement and, and, and thoughts and ideas uh, and, and let me just kind of give you this example um, what you did before you came to the Lord and, and whether it be you know, spending every weekend going camping or going to the cabin or snowmobiling or whatever you do, uh, that hobby that you spent all of your weekends doing, well, now you've come to the Lord and you're starting this spiritual growth process. And because God is beginning to give you things and by him giving you things, it breeds a responsibility in you. That responsibility will then restrict in some areas of just coming and going as you please because it may God may need you to be in a service because somebody that's going to be in that service needs to see you needs to hear your worship needs to see that there's somebody like them in that same service and, and it restricts us from just doing whatever we want um, and, and unfortunately there's too many Christians that haven't grasped a hold of the fact that when you grow spiritually you grow in responsibility, and when you grow in responsibility, it does bring certain amount of restrictions uh, to us. And, and and I don't say restrictions in a, in a negative way because the responsibility and the blessings of God, of Him moving in us, but there are some things that have to, it is incredible, but there are some things that we do have to, um, you know, I, I've been a hockey fan my entire life. I grew up playing hockey. And I could sit and watch hockey just about every night of the week. And you can ask anybody in my family. And uh, the problem with that is I wouldn't get anything else done. And I have responsibilities because I've matured. Now, when I was a teenager, that's probably what I would have tried to do. I would have tried to find every hockey game that I could watch and watch it and watch it and watch it. Um, but as I grew up, as I matured, I realized that some restrictions came into my place. Responsibility came into my plate. And I began to have to do some things where I have to balance watching hockey and doing other things. And the same thing happens in the spirit world as well. As you grow spiritually with God, there has to become a balance of your responsibility and the restriction. You can't just go and do as you please because a spiritually grown individual says, not my will, but thy will be done. And, uh, and so these are some of the signs of spiritual growth. And it's so fun to watch people through the years. Um, we've been here in, in, in Coon Rapids now since uh, Christmas of 08. So it's, we're going into our 12th year here. And it's so fun to watch the growth in people. Um, it's, it's fun for me to look in the mirror and see the growth in me since we've been here. And, and really looking back, uh, most of you saw on Facebook, if you, if you checked it out, that my wife and I just celebrated our 28th anniversary and looked at some of the pictures and, and that, that we posted. 
back when we were just young. And uh, to think of and watch how we've grown from those days to now and watch the different people that we've had uh, been blessed to be a part of their life and to watch them now on Facebook raising families and, and ministering the things of God and doing all kinds of things for the Lord and in life and in, in, in you know, public service and be able to see all of that and that growth. It is so fun to see. And that's our desire for uh, all of you tonight, whether you're a part of Spirit of Grace Church in person or you're a part of Spirit of Grace Church here online and you've been joining us for the last several weeks, we want to encourage you, keep growing. Keep growing because it's so worth getting to know him better. Um, you know, uh, it's, and I'll close with this, but uh, when I was just a boy um, growing up, I had a certain level of relationship with my dad. Um, the relationship that I had with my dad was very shallow. It's what he could do for me. Um, it was, it had nothing to do what I could do for him. It was what he could do for me. Uh, could he give me the car? Um, could he feed me? Could he put me on skates? Could he teach me how to do some things? Um, uh, it was all about, it was a one-sided relationship with my dad when I was young. As I became more mature and as I became towards the end of my high school years, our relationship started shifting a little bit and we began talking more about what I could do for him on an even basis. And so it was more, what does he bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? And um, it was a transition really for both of us to figure out, And but it was a blessing. And so it wasn't, so when I started going to college and I started uh, getting ready to get married and things of that nature, the, the relationship became even more mature. And, and uh, we began to sit down and we began to talk about much bigger things than just figuring out what kind of a career to have and figuring out where to go to school and figuring out all of a sudden we were talking about uh, children and churches and, and ministry and, and life. And then there came a day when, uh, for me, far too soon because of uh, the sickness that he had, but there was a shift over and it was, uh, what could I do for him? And I had matured to the place where now I was helping him. And had he lived uh, and, and had and cancer not taken him, as he had gotten older, it, it, there's just that natural transition uh, where the child then becomes the one that's helping the parent. It's called maturity. It's called responsibility. It's called doing all of these things uh, of, of being faithful in the small things and letting God open up the bigger things of loving others as we love ourselves, of not worrying but being happy and content with the things of God, of, of, of sowing and reaping, and then recognizing that responsibility uh, uh, gives more responsibility and more blessing. And so I want to challenge somebody tonight because I believe that God is calling all of us to a season of growth. I believe that coming out, out of this pandemic uh, or in the midst of it, however you believe where we're at right now, if we're coming out of it, or if we're still in the middle of it, or if we haven't even reached its peak yet, I don't know. Uh, but wherever we're at in this, it's it's ripe soil for us to begin to grow. It's ripe soil for us to begin to plant things. Uh, we God has allowed whatever this is to happen so that you and I have the perfect opportunity to put these principles into into action in our lives so that you and I can grow in him. He wants to know us and he wants us to know him. 
and he wants us to be uh, connected to him in such a way that we become more mature, that we become more perfect. And because as we become more perfect, we begin to see in greater detail the awesome wonder and the power of God. Here's what I know, and that is this. As I have grown in him through the years, I have begun to see things in him and see things in myself that absolutely are mind-blowing that I took for granted when I was younger and uh, didn't even sometimes didn't even recognize that it was God when I was younger. But I have now stepped into a season of life where I'm seeing the moving of God and the hand of God in such a way that uh, I would not have ever been able to see it had I not matured and grown in him. And I wish I could say that I have reached perfection and maturity, but I haven't. God is still working on me. God is still opening up the eyes of my understanding. He's still opening up his word. I'm still praying that God speaks to me at all hours of the day. I'm still learning and learning and learning because no matter how mature I get in this lifetime, I'm still only going to be seeing through a glass darkly until that day where we see him face to face. Praise God. I want to challenge you tonight. Let's grow in him. Let's become everything that he wants us to be. Let's lay aside everything that would hinder us from growing in him. Uh, the book of Hebrews goes on to say a couple chapters later, let's lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily besets us and let's run with patience the race that's set before us and looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy of who we are endured the cross, despising the shame. Praise God. Would you pray with me tonight? Jesus, I'm so thankful that you've given us the opportunity to grow, to become Lord, to mature in you, to see things from a different perspective. I'm praying for everybody that watches or listens to this broadcast tonight that, Lord, you would begin to speak to their heart and their soul about growing in you. Lord, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory. And if you should tarry until we come again, Lord Jesus, to, to open up your word once more, we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We pray that the rest of your week would be mightily blessed of God. Go in the grace and the mercy of God with your eyes and your ears attuned to him. In Jesus' name.